Ariel, listen to me. The human world, it's a mess. Life under the sea is better than anything they got up there. Hello and welcome. Uh, this is your Let's Fix Football for this week. Uh, Let's Fix Football is on BallandOrder.com. This is your host Gabe Lesra, and I'm joined by Evan Batir. Uh Evan, it has uh, been quite a week in uh, U.S. Uh, soccer world. We um, have a lot to talk about that we didn't really think uh, we were going to need to talk about going into this week. Well, I, you know, I for one am frantically Googling right now how I can get a spot on the FIFA council because uh, I got some debt to pay off. And yeah. it seems to be that's the way to do it. Well, you know, they are making big progress. They've like instead of flying everyone everywhere first class and putting them up in penthouses, they're now flying everyone business class everywhere and only giving them like $2,000 a day in uh, per diem. So you may have missed out on that great train. <laughs> I, you know, I'm willing to do the slavish labor for cut rate wages if that's what that's soccer true. needs. Yeah, if, if they... that's what world football demands, I'm here. Yeah, it's true. I, I'm also very involved. Like FIFA, I know that I say burn FIFA to the ground all the time and like, yeah, burn you to the ground. But if you want to hire me to like go to three meetings a year and pay me $10 million and fly me business class everywhere, like I'm in. I'm in. Like I, I'll, it's a, what a fucking scam! Oh man, it's a great scam. I mean, like I always said that, like if you'll forgive my debt, I'll go to your stupid meetings for you guys. Like that's fine with me. I'm in. I'm um, in. Yeah. So we're talking about that's one of the things we'll be talking about later. There's some the FIFA disclosures uh, that they have paid a lot of money to their do nothing ass like corrupt ass board. Uh, there, we're going to be talking a little bit about the USSF election. Not a ton, but uh, some interesting uh, drama this week. Um, we're going to talk a little bit more about USSF in the absolute best thing I think we've had on the show so far. Um, but I want to start with, I think, what is the biggest news of the weekend uh, so far in U.S. soccer, which is the United States lost out on uh, Jonathan Gonzalez, who is a legitimately world-class level talent at center defensive midfielder who has decided to uh, make his one-time international team switch and move from the youth ranks of the U.S. men's national team and declare himself to play for Mexico. Jonathan Gonzalez is a dual citizen, American-Mexican, uh, born in Cal and raised in California to Mexican immigrant parents. Um, I mean, it's the kind of classic American story of being pulled in two ways. And Jonathan made the uh, Jonah, Jonathan, <laughs> he made the... Uh, 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 choice to go ahead and play for Mexico after playing at Monterrey for in, in Liga MX for, for a couple of years now. And, you know, I, I, Evan, to be quite frank, it's, it's hard to blame him. It's hard to blame him given the uh, absolute insanity going on at USSF right now. Yeah. I mean, that's like, that, that's the fundamental point here, right? So like uh, this is, you know, people are coming at this story from a lot of different angles. And like one of the angles is a very classic, um, basically, you know, he should be a grateful American and play for the U S national team. And it, it, kind of this classic story that we have whenever you have a dual citizen, make a decision between two countries and have that not be the United States. Right. But I think you're right that that, I don't, I don't think that that's like 
I don't think that's necessarily what's going on here, or, or it's maybe not the most relevant facet of this story. Yeah. The the timing of this is pretty telling, right? He decided to make this switch right after the U.S., which theoretically had had a promising future, I guess we thought, a few months ago, is now in complete shambles. There's this big, contested, pretty you know, kind of nasty leadership race going on. No one knows where this is going. All of the dirty laundry is being aired out. We've missed the Olympics. We've missed the World Cup. We missed Confederations Cup. Like we have done nothing to to convince someone with another option that we're the way to go, that he's going to have his most success on the international stage playing with the UN's men's, men's national team. And, you know, we could sit here and say, oh, well, you should be a patriotic American and just suck it up and play, except for this guy, first off, has two countries. He's a dual citizen. And and so, you know, he could say the same thing about being a uh, patriotic Mexican if he wants to. Maybe he's going to go live there. I don't know. I don't know the kid. Um, you know, so I mean, he does in, live there right now, literally, there. right? Like, that's he where there. he plays. His family lives here. Um, but, you know, we, so we could like sit here and have that discussion. Um, but we could also have a discussion about how, you know, this is this kid's playing career. It's his right. livelihood. He only gets to make one choice when it comes to a national team. He was giving the U.S. a shot. They've completely failed him and everyone around him. Um, and he's got a way out. And a lot of other players don't. And he's got a way out, you know, for a team that, you know, Mexico's not going to miss the World Cup. They're not They're You know, we're they, uh, you know, we're in the Confederations Cup. So it just it, there's a you know, if you just look at this from almost just a, a career or financial perspective, it makes a hell of a lot of sense when you, you know, even taking kind of the emotional nationalistic appeals out of it, which are complicated by themselves. Yeah, it, it it does. I mean, look, you're 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 totally right. And also, like, don't you? I mean, I was pointed out to me, like, if if you're Christian Polish, don't you on some level look back at what you've done and think, man, if I had chosen my, you know, to to go with my Croatian pass, like Christian Polish is a dual citizen. So if I had chosen to go with my Croatian passport and play for Croatia, I could be playing in the World Cup along Kovacic and Modric. And like a in a pretty exciting Croatia team, and like I don't totally think that's a dumb thing to to them take just because of how much catastrophe has gone through the USSF right now. That being said, I think that isn't even the the main take that I wanted to focus on. And also, just want to shout out to my man um, Robert Polson for doing an absolutely terrible take. We basically summarized it um, in response to uh, our friend Liz Continola's. Uh, post about being herself a dual citizen um he responds basically saying that he should you know that that gonzalez should have been grateful to the united states all the stuff that we already mentioned that like you know how can you leave this country to go play for mexico and all that stuff so bad take um you can love two countries you can be from two countries you can have loyalties to two countries and like a lot of people in this country do i do a lot of people like are pulled that way and it's a very dumb thing to try to uh, attack a guy for having that. So that that's a very dumb take. It's it's a take that I think w- anyone with a, a little bit uh, of of kind of reason and sense would step back and say, is this is this really the smart take here from this? Is this what I want to take away and realize that actually no, like this is not <laughs> this is not the hill to die on. This is not the thing to critique anyone for. If anything, Evan, and this is what I and bringing up the you know, what we're going to talk about the second, like, uh, point B of this whole story. But I think going into that is this, the United States, uh, USSF is in, is in chaos, but it's not just that it's in chaos that, uh, Gonzalez decided not 
to stay with the United States. There's actually a whole background where the United States didn't call him to a meaningless friendly in November that would have locked him down as a U.S. Benz national team player. Uh, and he was totally willing and excited to come. He expected a call and the call never came. And that is lots of people have pointed to that moment as one of the moments that pushed him towards making a different, making a different decision. And I think that speaks to the kind of really systemic problem with USSF where it speaks to like the fact that, for example, they have a big budget, but only one full-time scout who is thinking about, Players like Gonzalez, who absolutely, you have to call him to that friendly. He's a starter, everyday starter, you know, 18-year-old in Liga MX. Lots of lots of people think of him as, as one of the big shining lights of, of the American, you know, uh, just generally American, like Latin, North, both American soccer world. And you don't call him. Yeah, and so like that November friendly first off, so this is completely inexplicable to me, and I really want to hear an explanation from someone at U.S. Soccer as to why he wasn't called because that you know the squad that went to that November friendly was a kind of youth team squad. That was what they were doing. Um, they called in a lot of the kids, and that's what everyone said they should be doing. So to not cap tie this guy, or I don't even know if that's the right term here, but to not tie lock this guy in with that friendly is inexplicable. I mean, even without the fact that you could have locked him in to not even call him in just to get a look. Right. Right. Why don't you call, you know, there's start there. Why weren't you calling him in just to get a look? And then when you add on, Oh, we can lock this guy in. Was there so little contact between the coaching staff and this kid that they had no idea that he was having second thoughts about where he wanted to play. They, you know, weren't having conversations with him about his future. Like if that's all, that all has to be true. And that's what's so fucking unacceptable about it from the U.S. national team. Like make your pitch. There's a pitch to be made for an 18-year-old with the U.S. national team. You could say, look, yeah, we didn't make the World Cup, but you weren't really going to feature in this World Cup anyway, and you knew that. Um, but like there's the next World Cup and the next like four World Cups, and here's how we're set up to be successful in those right be the well, guy at the back you know she, you're going to be the guy shepherding you know shielding um you know our defense you're you know you're going to be an integral part of that so there's a pitch to be made and i have to believe that if they didn't even know he was having second thoughts such that they decided not to call him in that they weren't having these conversations with him right and this evan gets to the second part of this story for us and this podcast right oh, which gets, is oh it gets good here this is when it gets when it gets good because uh our you know longtime friend of the show <laughs> Friend of the show, uh, Alexi Lalas, um, and I got into a Twitter discussion about this exact, uh, this exact situation and this exact uh, uh, question about whether you know or not you really should be going out there and trying to pitch people and 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 making contact and, and trying to bring people in. And my original feeling was so. Here's what Alexi originally said. Uh, uh, to me, or just, just the reason I got involved at all. He said, you know, someone asked him like, why didn't you pitch him all that stuff? And, and Alexis said, well, I, I wouldn't, uh, other than like maybe making contact and making him aware of our interest. Uh, I respect that recruiting is part of modern international game and players can be, pers uh, conflicted, but you're representing a country. It's bigger than you. Either you want the honor or you don't either you feel it or you don't. And look, Alexi is a, 
former U.S. men's national team player. He has represented this country. So I, I respect that. Uh, and I, I think that he has a very unique and interesting perspective on this. I just think that what we're talking about is he's projecting a little bit of his own you know, feeling onto where we are here. And this, this is, you know, this is not about the individual. It is, but it's, it's much broader and you're trying to build a team for the future and you need to try to get the best players onto that team possible. It's, and, and, and not playing that game is going to put you at a disadvantage to other teams. So I, all, all any of us are asking, if no one is saying, force this kid to play for the United States. No one is Bashar al-Assad and like, whoa, we're going to deport your parents if you don't play for us, right? Like, no one is saying that or like, hold your wife. But we're just saying like, make some contact, make a pitch. I mean, Spain is not above this, right? Like, that is the level of teams that do this. Fucking Spain uh, recruited Diego Costa. Like what? But, and you don't. I mean, and, and do you think that the Mexican team wasn't fucking recruiting Gonzalez? Do you think they weren't planning right. in his ear? You know, hey man, this is going to be your role. Fuck these guys. You can come play in the World Cup right now. We're going to be in the World Cup forever. We can win the World Cup. U.S. is never going to win the World Cup. Like you think Mexico wasn't talking? You know, you think every time he didn't see a Mexican player in Liga MX, they weren't like, hey man, when are you going to come play for the national team? Right. And it's it's um, the kind of thing that just feels like. It just screams negligence. So my response to to uh, Alexi was that I thought it was a basically I said this is all time bad take. This is one hundred percent how you end up losing out on generational talents. No country is above this kind of salesmanship. Uh, and then I reminded him that World Cup. This is so. Not only did Spain uh, recruit Diego Costa, Spain had just come off of winning back-to-back Euro Cups and the World Cup, the greatest generation in Spanish soccer history, they still went out and recruited Diego Costa to play for them. So the best team in the world at that point did this. It, it, you can't be above that, is what I said. Um, so we actually got into it a little bit, which was great. Um, he basically asked me what my pitch to him would have been, uh, Evan. And I, I think that that's a fair question, and it's something that we literally just discussed right like how do you like we totally get why jonathan gonzalez wouldn't choose the united states yeah i mean i think that the the question of like what your pitch would be he like i don't think it's that hard um you you in the sense of like it's not that hard to put together what your pitch would be i think it's per it, it, it's reasonable to say that it might not be good enough Right. Right. So your your pitch is something like, look, we're stripping it down. We're rebuilding. We're not guaranteeing you anything. Um, but what we can tell you is there's going to be a lot of opportunity in the U.S. team going forward. Um, and you can tell him all the reasons why you think he might have a chance to play through. And you don't have to, like I said, you don't have to guarantee him a thing. You still still tell him that we have to play for everything. Everybody has to play for everything here. Um, and maybe he's getting a better pitch from the Mexican team. Who knows? You still might miss out the, the, you know, Alexi's point is more, you don't even, you don't even do that, that you show up waving the flag. And if they don't march off to Yankee doodle with you, <laughs> then they don't fucking play on your team. Uh, and that's goddamn stupid. Yeah. it's uh, dumb. And, and, and it just doesn't recognize what the modern game is. And, and I think it's a huge, what I think it is, I think it's this big overreaction to the Klinsman model, which was go and get every German American dual citizen out of 
that you could find to come and play for the U S men's national team. And we all, you know, we can see how well that worked out. There's a, you know, a lot of bitterness to how Klinsman tried to shop around for talent. Um, and, and I, I get that a little bit, but I think there's a huge overreaction to say that we shouldn't be making a pitch to a kid who, you know, is an American. He's not like, you know, some German who also holds a U.S. passport. Like right. this kid's an American. He's here. He's been in our youth system forever. Um, the, you know, you just you just need to keep tabs on these players and know what they're thinking. It's, right. it's just fucking common sense. You just you can't you can't expect that you know, the power of the Star Spangled Banner is going to keep all these guys in the team. Exactly. And so that was my response, right? Like you, you, you just sell him on, on what he can do. And I think there is a credible argument to be made about this U.S. team, which is basically that, you know, you tell him, look, you've seen the level of talent that this team has in its youth ranks. Like, you know who you're going to be coming up with. It's not about 2018. It's about going into 2022 with a group of people that you've been developing with, that you've been playing with, that you know like the back of your hand, who are going to do something really special in, in 2022 uh, with with and then grow up together. Still, 2022 for an 18-year-old is fucking – he's 22. Like that's, I mean, the, the sales pitches, you you whip out pic, a picture of, of Christian Pulisic, you whip out a picture of, you know, Cameron Carter Vickers and all these other we, uh, 18, like 19 year old people. people who are playing first team, um, first team football in top European leagues. And you say you're going to get to develop with these guys for four years. You're going to get to be the sexy hot thing going into the 2022 World Cup. You're going to be the story. It's a redemption story. You know, you you get to rebuild it with these world-class talents. Like, that's your pitch. And if he doesn't and, buy and, it, he doesn't fucking that, buy it. But. And that the potential for a really deep and exciting soccer cup run in this country uh, is include Like, you, you have to consider that. If that happens and if you are, you know, if you bet on yourself and bet on this group of talented individuals, the the monetary potential is huge in the United States. Like, yeah, yeah. you could be the generation that really brings this game to this country in a monetary way and in a sporting way. Like people are ready. We're desperate to buy in. And this this generation, I, I believe that this generation is going to do it. The United States are credible Assuming everything goes well, assuming everything goes down the right way, I think United States are credible quarterfinalists in 2022. I don't look, I don't think it's obvious that that's going to happen, but I think it's credible. And that, do you, do you imagine what that would be like in this country? Like the, these players would be feted, they'd be, they'd come back and they'd have endorsement deals. Like this, this game is begging to explode in this country. Yeah, I mean, I might say more 2026 than 2022 myself just because the 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 core is so young and they're going to be 22, 23 in 2022, but they're going to be you know, 20, 27, 28 in 2026. 20, and so, you know, they're really going to be hitting their prime. But regardless when it happens, you know, even before the U.S. was bounced out, in fact, the week before they were bounced out, it might have even been the day before because I think we did a special show. Like the day before they were bounced out, we were already talking about how great the future looked for the U.S. men's national team and how it was going to be a turnover from you know the Bradleys and the Dempseys to the Pulisic's. And it could have been the Gonzalez's, right? He could have been part of that. And and now he's not. And it's a shame. I, you know, I'm like disappointed. There's this other kid right now on Benfica. Benfica. 
starting with you know, like can you like this i don't remember another generation in this country's history that's that's had a starter like out of the gate for Borussia Dortmund one of the best teams in the world Benfica the best team in Portugal like this is this is an unbelievable golden generation of american of american players yeah, you, and you, you want to be part of like i think you sell you can sell that and yeah I also yeah. think he was would have been happy even without a sales pitch. That's the thing. If 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 USSF first of all, how like he's definitely friends with a lot of people in the American youth system. No one talked to even his friends like, "Oh, this guy is like thinking about maybe not playing here." Like no one well, had I mean, any I, idea. I, well, I think of what happened. If I had to guess and it's just speculation, I could be 100% wrong, but if I had to guess, I would say US fails to October knows the November friendly is coming up. Everybody knows that that's really a chance to bring out the kids and see what you have for the future. This guy doesn't get a call. What message is that? You don't plan to have me in your future, right? Because you pulled in everybody who you wanted to have for your future. That was what this friendly was about, was about getting a look at the future. So if I'm not your future, then I'm not staying. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Uh, and the way basically Alexi responded to me, um, I think it's interesting uh, that he... I think he's right. I mean, like, it's obviously a straw man, but I think he's right to bring the stuff up. Like, what do you promise this kid? Well, you mentioned that you don't promise him all the stuff that I, like, I obviously never said you promise him anything, but you sell him on this stuff, right? <laughs> like, you basically say, bet on yourself. We think that, this, like, this is our long-term plan. Like, you know, we will hire a good coach, like, all this stuff. Like, but it's he, it's just like recruiting and fucking like it's recruiting in college, right? It's the same how thing, many yeah. how many kids in college? You know, maybe there's the one or two like unbelievable talents who you say, yeah, you're going to come in and play. But the vast majority, when they go out and, and recruit, they're 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 making a pitch for the future. They're saying, here's the opportunity you're going to have. You're going to have to play for it. You're going to have to produce. But after a couple years, here's what we think we can do with you. Yeah. It, that's what recruiting is. <laughs> and so Alexi said, what do you promise him? Call ups, playing time, and promotion motion all within the context of a world cup that is four years away and for a national team that has no gm or coach that not is it. a slippery slope i okay so look i agree like that's a t it's a tough sell but it's not it, it's not that tough a sell and that's not what i said like you don't promise them any of that stuff but we sell it right and so i re i actually responded uh Let's see. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm saying not saying it's an easy sell, but it's worth making. And of course, one would focus on the positives of the organization. Like you don't like you. You say, look, we know we have this. We're having an election, but we will come together after the election and we'll hire a good coach. So it's uh, it's it's the kind of thing where. I, I think there's a credible case to be made. I'm glad that I got to, you know, that Alexi and I talked about, like that I got to interact with him and chat with him about this stuff because I actually do think, at least in this issue, I think he's a type of person that is actually really interesting to hear from, given that he's a former U.S. men's national team player. Like, yeah, this, he knows I, what the what, he, what it's like to suit up for the country. He does, and it's a cool perspective. And like you said before, I totally respect him because he put in a lot of sweat for for the U.S. team and in a generation that was very important for the development totally. of U.S. soccer. And so that's very cool. I think that his perspective is just a little bit different from the Jonathan Gonzalez perspective, right? I I don't know this for sure, so I hope I'm not getting it wrong, but I don't think that Alexi Lawless is a dual citizen or that he had a you know alternative. Um, national team that he was considering playing for. So it's just a little bit of a different situation, different perspective, where for Alexi, 
if you wanted to play international football, it was always the U.S. men's national team. So that was always his dream. But I imagine growing up, Jonathan Gonzalez had a slightly more complicated picture where he probably grew up watching both Mexican and U.S. men's national totally. team games and, and imagining himself both, at, you know, at, you know, Giant Stadium playing for U.S., or at the Azteca playing for Mexico. And, yeah, I and mean, so it's just a more complicated thing for him than just to say, if you don't feel it, you don't feel it. You know what, Evan? I appreciate all of that, man, because as someone who had that exact experience, that is how it goes. Like, I obviously am a dual citizen, so I have many times imagined myself both, you know, in, right, exactly, like in the Meadowlands playing in front of a crowd for the United States and also uh, in the Bernabeu playing in front of a crowd for Spain and, like, it was never just one. It was always both. And it, it really, it would have like, if that were ever, would have ever been a thing for me, it would have been an impossibly hard choice. And I think I would have made a different, like maybe have made a different choice at different times of my life. Like mm-hmm. it's, it's actually totally, like for example, Gonzalez making a different decision at what, like 14, 15, then he just did at 18. Right. Exactly. And then maybe in, in by 2022, he's going to be like, shit, like, look at that really exciting us men's national team. Maybe I made the wrong call. And that's, you know, look, and this is what I responded to someone who was, who was responding to this whole thing and, and said, look, yeah, obviously he's just a kid. He just wants to play, but he is thinking about this stuff. He's a professional and it's both uh, unpleasant that he has to make this call at 18, but it's also a burden and, and a real wonderful burden that comes with having the type of talent to be coveted by two national teams at age 18, right? Like yeah. that's yeah. an amazing responsibility that he probably fantasized about and growing yeah. up. And that's wonderful. And, and, and def- yeah, and just the feeling of being wanted and recruited at 18 has got to be, you know, very cool for him. And um, you know what? And yeah. I just to just to close out this segment, I just want to say, like, I I think he's going to be great for Mexico. And that's and, and you know, I think we should wish him all, all the best and all his love for, for him in, in what he decided. That's it's on like it's a great you know, it's it's a choice that he made. And I, I think I, I can totally see why he did it. I, I understand well, it and respect it. And fair play. Um, and I mean, I Jonathan. agree with all of that. And then I hope the U.S. Men's National Team makes him regret the shit yep. out of it. Me too. I hope and that's... that they go and play great in 2022. Hell and yeah. I hope I hope that he's doing interviews one day down the line being like, you know, after, uh, you know, El Tri have lost five times straight to the U.S. Men's National Team saying, damn, I could have played for them. Yeah, exactly. It's like I both both we can we can feel both things. And I'm just going to end this segment with. This quote from Bruce Arena from uh, November of 2017, so right around the same time that the United States men's national team decided not to call Jonathan Gonzalez to the United States men's national team. Bruce Arena said, quote, I do not agree with, and then the idea that there are talented players falling through the cracks of the U.S. system at all. I think all the talented players are involved in our systems. We need to do a better job developing them. He said as he didn't call Jonathan Gonzalez to come play in a stupid friendly and Jonathan Gonzalez careened off and fell t- like, you know, tumbling head over head through this huge crack in the U.S. Soccer Federation. So who who in the world has done more to damage U.S. soccer than Bruce Arena? It's just unbelievable. This this quote is just just brutal and it's brutal. I mean we I think we talked I think we talked we might have talked about that quote at the time and it, it really it just it has not aged well Bruce 
Really? And it, was, it was shit at the time, and it has not aged well at all. Yeah, it's always good when, like, a really bad take from back when we were it just beginning worse. the bad take segments, like, becomes worse over time. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay, so uh, <laughs> let us, let's move on to um, our second segment. Another uh, blast from the past. Yeah, another blast from the past, because we, we talked about it at the time, uh, and this is related at this point to... Uh, the U.S. Soccer Federation election, so we're back to this. Um, current, I think, our probably choice candidate, Kyle Martino, uh, got into some a little bit of heat over the, over the week as he was trying, I think, to draw some attention to the conflicts of interest that and like just kind of the the issues uh with respect to hiring someone from soccer united marketing which is where kathy carter's obviously from uh to you know so he he was trying to draw some some eyes onto that and what what he said though evan is he brought up and apparently this was sum's decision the costa rica u.s uh qualifying match in new york where uh, a lot of kind of there were a lot of takes at the time that uh, the Costa. I mean, look, we watched the match. The Costa Rican fans were louder than the American fans, and it was a home game for the United States. And I think there were a lot of takes on you know whether that was a good choice to play the game in New York. Uh, it's interesting that he's bringing that particular thing up because, as you might imagine, it's pretty controversial. To say that, because the truth is that New York loves football and, and loves soccer, and this was a a real showcase of amazing support for both the. I, th- I mean, like there were tons of U.S. men's national team people there, but also just the support of the game generally in this country. Uh, and it's interesting that he goes back to this particular well when trying to draw, uh, to draw this particular contrast with Kathy Carter. And I I have the quote here if you want me to read it. Um, so he said, uh, there are many perceived conflicts of interest, but a clear way the arrangements affects the players was the decision to have a world cup qualifier at Red Bull arena against Costa Rica home world cup qualifiers are crucial, which is why home teams go to great lengths to tip the competitive advantage in their favor. Even the length of the grass is meticulously planned. Having played Costa Rica in a world cup qualifier at old Saprissa stadium, I can tell you this from personal experience. It was terrifying. So I think that, I mean, look, I think at the time, Evan, we discussed this a little bit, uh, but it, it's like I said, it's interesting that he's going back to this particular well. So, okay. So I have like complicated feelings about this whole controversy and I am very annoyed that I have to talk about it again, <laughs> just, just because I have complicated feelings, controversy, kind of sides, like on the one hand, it facially feels really fucking stupid to have your your qualifier against Costa Rica down the street from the biggest Costa Rican American population in the country. Like it just seems like that was dumb. And then on the other hand, I see the perspective of, well, America is a nation of immigrants and you can't just hide from immigrants from other countries and they're going to travel. And there were only 3000 of them. They were just louder. Like all of these things make sense to me, too. But then I come back and I'm like, well, what if we had just switched the Honduras game that was in Orlando with the Costa Rica game and then like wouldn't that have worked? So I don't fucking know. It's it seemed kind of dumb. 
Um, but also people made way too big a deal about it that to say that that excused the U.S. loot, you know, putting in such a ship performance is ridiculous. But then on the other hand, to say that home field advantage doesn't matter is dumb because there's a reason why, you know, a, we were way worse on the road than home. So I have all these conflicting feelings about this stupid thing. But I don't I don't know if the merits are the most interesting thing, kind of like you alluded to, if the merits of this question are the most interesting thing at this point, so much as it is that Kyle Martino is choosing to bring it up again. Right. And as for why he's choosing to bring it up again, here's my best stab as to why he decided to bring it up again. Okay, I'm interested because I, I have not been able to figure it out. There are a bunch of old white guys who are pissed off that a bunch of Costa Ricans rooted for Costa Rica against the U.S., and he's trying to make them mad at Kathy Kathy Carter about it. Yeah, you know what? That actually makes a lot of sense because, again, as we've been trying to – and I think that's a great take because as we've been trying to explain – this isn't a popularity contest. It's not. It's not. He's not shilling for us or for our friend Maxi, who brought this to our attention. Like this, uh, Max Rodriguez. Everyone should follow him. He's awesome. Great, great Twitter account at Football Intellect. Great, and he's got. He's just a great writer. Uh, yeah, it's one of my cool favorite dude. follows. Yeah, um, one of my favorite follows on Twitter. Yeah. So, like, but the truth is that he's not shilling for us. He's shilling for this group of generally right, like older, whiter people who I. Uh, for whatever reason, feel that that game against Costa Rica or have whatever, for whatever reason he thinks they have circled that as a real failure um, from the planning stages. And he may be right about that. That actually kind of makes sense to me. It's just, it's not a good look uh, to go back to this. It's terrible look. And, and this is why I mentioned it's like, I have such conflicted feelings because while on the one hand I get the argument that it was a stupid idea to have it there, it just is just a little bit icky to be like, we need to hide from these fans of a certain nationality, right? It just doesn't, it's not great. And, um, so that's where my conflict comes from. And that's where you would hope that there would be a little bit more, I don't know, awareness or just sensitivity to how fraught an issue it is to say we need to hide from this certain group of American fans who happen to root for the Costa Rican national team. Um, Like that is a touchy thing to say, even if you might be able to make a, even if you can make an argument on the merits that that's what you should do, it, it is a complicated thing to bring that up in the context of an election right and it wouldn't be super complicated if say like spain had lost a friendly to uh england after playing in like one of those areas in spain that has like a shitload of ex british expats right like right, I they think, like played it right outside fucking gibraltar or something. right like right exactly if they played it right up the street from gibraltar outside of like the whole gold coast is filled with british expats like you wouldn't like if it's a qualifier and spain gets to decide where it is like i think that it's a different conversation just because uh spain is not exactly a nation of immigrants and so they can they feel much more comfortable saying like saying something like yeah we're gonna make it in a place that doesn't aid lots of like the, all the British people who live in our country to go there. Right. And so like, we'll put it in, you know, in, in the Basque country or whatever, and, or in, yeah. or in Madrid or somewhere like, well, you know, and, but the problem is that here, not only are, are we a country that really values this diversity at like, no matter how much is going on in all the other stuff in our country, we do. And especially in soccer, like it makes it, it's we're better as a soccer nation for it. The, there's a huge group of people in our country that love this sport, but they're vastly not 
uh, monochromatic, right? Yeah. This isn't baseball where like it's hugely white um, and then like very Latino in some parts, right? But like this is this is a this is a a sport and that is very widely supported by a lot of different people. So uh, that's that's kind of my issue. But here, let me just read um, some of what Martino was responding to because I think it gives a little more context to it. Uh, he says that it was a terrible decision to have it in, uh, uh, in New York, all this stuff. Um, but there was some criticism of him for not presenting sources that Soccer United Marketing was behind this decision. Uh, and so he said, the suggestion that this decision was in part made by SUM is based off several conversations with people close to the decision makers or included in past decisions. The, these accounts do not qualify as proof, for which is why I said the following in my submission. To be clear, I am not accusing anyone of unethical behaviors. I don't have a complete understanding of the relationship involved. I have a lot of respect for the leadership of SUM, MLS, and U.S. soccer and their contributions to the game. So, what Boy, he, so and, that, and then he goes on to talk about that, Kathy that's Carter. The class, that's the classic just, I'm just asking questions. Right. <laughs> so he goes on to talk about Kathy Carter saying, if what I've said is inaccurate... As Kathy Carter and U.S. Soccer suggest, I call on them to provide the requisite transparency to debunk this. <laughs> so I, I do believe I, I think he's a good guy. And I do believe he's like an, in, like someone who actually does have this question. Uh, it's hard to prove a negative, though. <laughs> so like what like transparency, what information would prove that you didn't have uh, an effect on this decision? And that's that's a tough one to swallow a little bit also, um, for Martino, but uh, I'd, I'd be interested in somebody asking Kathy Carter, Hey, does, yeah. you know, does soccer United management or whatever SUM means, um, did they have anything to do with this decision? Did you marketing, have anything to do with the decision? Sorry, marketing, like, maybe marketing. Yeah. Marketing. And so I'd be fascinated to see somebody ask her, um, whether or not she did have anything to do with this decision. And, you know, that'd be an interesting discussion to have. What right. do you think about it? And we should, you know, this, for better or for worse, this was a controversy. And so to the extent that Martino has brought this back up, let's get the candidates on the record about what they think about this. Absolutely. And I will, I think we should just end this, uh, this segment talking a little bit, just, just kind of concluding about this. I think that it's right for Martino to bring up the relationship between SUM and USSF. Yeah. Fuck yeah, it is. Right. It's just that the, the, the issue that we're circling here is not that question, right? It's the, it's literally just is, you know, is this the example? Is this the hill you want to die on? And I think it's not for the public, but as you said, maybe it is, maybe it is the right hill uh, when it comes to the actual voting base of the USSF, the people that vote for president at USSF. Yeah. Yeah. I, I can just, you know, th I have no evidence as Kyle Martino does not, <laughs> but I can just, I can just see some of these old white soccer, you know, state federation leaders, you know, sitting around saying, well, if we had just had that World Cup qualifier in Butte, Montana, we'd be in the World Cup right now. Yeah, I no, I totally agree. Um, and in, we also invite uh, Kyle Martin. <laughs> we invite them to prove us uh, prove us wrong. If, if Kyle wants to come on the show, <laughs> happy to have him. I mean, look, we've already talked to one uh, ex-men's national team player. We we may we, as well talk to another. <laughs> direct communicate engagement. Lex Fix Football has had engagement with Alexi Lawless. Uh, <laughs> uh, 
and uh, I mean, look, Ballon d'Or has had engagement I, with other people too. So I, I dare say, Gabe, that you interviewed Alexi Lawless. Oh yeah, that's what happened. I mean, look, that's I think we're gonna claim it at least. Uh, all right, so our last segment is gonna be about uh, federations doing funny shit. Uh, so the first federation that's doing some funny shit that I want to talk about, um, obviously it's like, you know, the godfather of federations. This is, uh, so FIFA, uh, had some corporate disclosures this year. Um, and I think the basic, uh, the top level takeaway from all this is that they're still paying an absolutely un unbelievable sum of money to their incredibly corrupt board members. So, uh, basically FIFA has uh, elected representatives on a 37-member council. Each one of those people are paid $250,000 a year, plus tens of thousands of dollars in expenses uh, to go to, and this is the absurd thing, three meetings a year. So their their job is is basically to fly around the world in business class, uh, or, and now business class. And that's what they said. They were like, we're, we're going to fix this. We're going to deal with it. And so what they did is they cut some of the per diem and stopped flying everyone first class. So apparently they were paying people more money and flying them first class everywhere. Now it's only $250,000 a year to do nothing. Uh, and they're being flown only business class. So uh, yeah, so each one of these people, uh, $250,000 to go to a few me- uh, few mediums uh, a year. Obviously, um you know, so the the cool thing about this article, and this is the New York Times, the the article talks a little bit about interviews a uh, uh, a cover international corporate governance advisor, uh, which is a hilarious thing to think that you would interview like so. Basically, uh, corporate governance is a, quite a big field, but like international nonprofit corporate governance, you basically have to justify how much money you pay every person. Uh, in order to keep your nonprofit status and not basically be treated as a for-profit ent- entity masquerading as a nonprofit. Uh, so what, sh- what this woman said, <laughs> there should be, especially for a nonprofit, some sort of justification, said Alexander Rage, president of the Corporate Governance Advisor, Trace International. Uh, she says, I don't see the justification in the resumes. I don't see the justifications in the market. It's hard to understand. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's so it's actually not that hard it's to understand. Not hard to understand because, <laughs> because FIFA is, let me help you here, a for-profit organization masquerading as a nonprofit. And it's a for-profit organization masquerading as a nonprofit. That, and what it what its sole purpose is is to fucking enrich this group of fucking spherical rhombozoid elites like uh the dude who had all those fucking cats in a a tower like he had a trump tower apartment just for his cats like that like that guy is what this fucking shit is built for and the the dude uh 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 the 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 president of the this caribbean federation uh what's his name um the dude who took home all this amount of money and just like is indicted in the United States and fled and is just literally middle fingering to everyone because of how corrupt. He's like, fuck you. I, of course I bought and sold my vote. Who cares? That's who this, this is a entire, an organization built entirely to enrich this class of fucking fat asses, uh, alcoholics who sit around like, uh, uh, Gerard Depardieu's character in that shitty movie where they couldn't even pretend he wasn't an alcoholic. Uh, you know, <laughs> like that's that's basically 
what the, if you read this article, you come away with this absolute hatred. Well, not even hatred, but you come away with this absolute like understanding that this entire organization is just masquerading as <laughs> this nonsense of being a nonprofit to you know to to enrich these this cabal of douchebags. And I mean, just to put in perspective how much certain people get enriched, the last line of this article really drives it home. After the World Cup in Brazil, held a year before his ouster in 2015, Sepp Blatter was awarded a $12 million bonus. <laughs> I mean, just, this is like, this is a bonus. It's a bonus, though. It's not even his fucking salary, people. Like, this is, this, like, and FIFA has, you know, look, we the next article we're going to talk about, uh, it's going to kind of put some of this into perspective, but FIFA has so, so much money so much money and like the i mean they could be paying these people much more money so maybe like to be quite honest maybe that is what they're like they're they're actually quite impressed with themselves for like not paying only paying these people only a quarter million dollars a piece right and for doing again i just want to underscore this three meetings a year right like this is what this is right like or maybe four meetings, but that's it. That that is it. Like they get paid eighty to ninety thousand dollars for a two day meeting. Like that's it. Uh, such a scam. Such a great scam. No man, I know, I know. God, I know. the show. People, listeners might not know how much Gabe and I love scams. Love great love scams. scams. Yeah, and I, this is this is a high end scam. Yeah, this reminds me a lot about my brother and I had this great idea for a scam to um, make a scam. Uh, uh, film festival. Apparently, there's like no oversight, and you can just kind of make one, and you can charge upwards of seventy five dollars a film to oh. submit to it, and people just kind of submit in bulk to these oh, festivals. That's so good, they just do like a list of everything, right? And like they just put aside five grand to submit their film to like every festival they can find, and you just would call it something like the, you know, New York artist uh independent artist film you know collective festival or whatever right and like you could charge what like it's just it's a good scam folks it's a good scam but that's uh, a great scam i i want to get someone as i've told you before to enter into a credit default swap for my debt hell yeah at which point at which point i can stop paying and then they will own my debt yep 100 percent. that's what i want to I, I also would say uh I think a credit default swap on Bitcoin, uh, or not even just a swap on Bitcoin, is what I'm what I'm looking for well, right now. But well, I mean, it's not now, even a scam, now, though. You don't even. Oh, I mean, the thing is that now that CBOE is selling futures for Bitcoin, now you can just go fucking short it. Yeah, I, I, if I had like fifty grand laying around, that's exact. So we missed the bus with shorting the for-profit colleges. Yeah, we did, which but, would have been awesome. Oh man, I was. But so now we just need a fucking it. short cryptocurrency. It's so obvious, guys. Like. If you have lots of money and you're listening to this podcast, doesn't seem super likely, but you know, if you do, first of all, why don't you toss a little bit our way? We have a Patreon page. That's cool. Yeah. But if you want some free, uh, this isn't investment advice exactly, but like if you want some free scam advice, just a heads up, heads up, I would toss a little bit of money shorting the, the crypto market. Dude, Dogecoin, a joke <laughs> cryptocurrency has a $1 billion market share. In that. Oh my God. God, if anything is late stage capitalism. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's literally the fucking tulip bubble. This is like the most obvious bubble oh, I've ever seen in my life. It's so unbelievable. And there's maybe nothing more fun than arguing with like neckbeards about. 
<laughs> fucking Bitcoin. It's so good because then all no, you do Pete, is like, let's just start a cryptocurrency. Let's I just, like that idea. Let's just call L, let's just start LFF coin. LFF coin, you can buy it uh right now. You can go and do it. No, right I mean like, <laughs> I mean like I ask these people like what you use this shit for and they're just like, "Well, that's not the point. Like you you make so much. They always just say you make so much money. It's like, what do you answer, use it for? You use fucking it you buy heroin and child pornography. That's it, though. There's nothing else. That's like, the only thing you can do with this shit is go onto the dark web and buy drugs, which, like, that's a big market, but, like, also, like, not as big as this. <laughs> these people think it is, right? Like, because most people who are addicted to heroin are just going to go and get that shit from their dealer instead of, like, going onto the dark web and ordering it and having it show up two weeks later in, like, a fucking... Uh, uh, finding Nemo DVD <laughs> and having <laughs> and having the DEA fucking track your IP address and roll you up <laughs> exactly. The problem, anyway. So that's we're um, off topic. We're, we're way off topic. Aggressively off topic. Uh, so let's uh, let's let's uh, roll it up. Logan has been weeping and whining in the back there. If anyone can hear him, but uh, yeah, let's. Uh, the last topic is uh, what I what I teased a little bit at the beginning, um, which is I think one of the funniest things we've had on this show so far. Um, so. In a recent email, I didn't even know that this was a thing that they did, but in a recent email, USSF sent an email to every person involved in their U.S. coaching academy uh, and like just the general people who are licensed to coach in the United States, which said, Dear Coach, below you will find information from uh, our official nutrition supplement partner for your product needs. Uh, as a registered coach... Uh, you receive access to a 30% discount <laughs> and they are hawking folks. They are hawking hilarious supplements uh, for a lot of money. <laughs> so they're basically, this is an, this is a fucking marketing email on us, USSF letterhead saying, buy these supplements and uh, 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 <laughs> yo, I want to get some cow mag citrate effervescent right, right. powder <laughs> to promote that's, my bone and muscle health. That's a that's an important thing, man. I, I I'm actually more in on the uh, multivitamin elite VM one fourteen or multivitamin elite packet, uh, which includes. Uh, Rolora, <laughs> a propriety, proprietary blend of plant extracts shown to curb late night cravings. Holy shit. Wait a minute. Is it just a diet pill? It's, it's just diet a diet pill. pill. They're hawking <laughs> diet pills. <laughs> oh my God. Guys, I, we didn't, I read this, but I didn't read it carefully. <laughs> <laughs> Aid in weight management and support restful sleep. Oh my god! Oh, <laughs> oh woo. that is that's some good shit right there. Uh, yeah, I mean, I have to put some put an order in for that. I'm gonna, like, uh, you know, if I want to, if you want to lose ten pounds in ten weeks, man, you can uh, invest in this shit right here. Um, okay, so. I don't. I mean, like, I, I this isn't actually a take or anything. I just wanted to bring this to everyone's attention. <laughs> I, I I guess it's a take in the sense that you know this this is what U.S. soccer does well. They don't they don't make good soccer teams. They don't promote the sport well. What they do is make a lot of fucking money. And they hawk shit they, though. That's what's great. 
They sell, they hawk $50 sugar pills and diet pills. For kids. This is for kids. These are coaches for kids. It's like, oh, does your U13 team not quite performing? Maybe you should spike their Gatorade with some diet pills. Does your goalie have a bit of a dad bod? Get some (laughs) diet pills. It's like, this is, I mean, what's really pathetic about this is like, they shouldn't need to resort to uh to, f- to fucking uh hawking diet pills to make late money. night infomercials. No, but like it's and it, what's cool about this? Let's be clear. What's cool about this, right? I mean, is that they're actually not corrupt enough to engage in the type of high level corruption that FIFA does to make the money that they need. Right? They right. are clearly in a lo- a league below FIFA's level of corruption. So, like, if FIFA is the godfather like with with unbelievable hands and everything like just sucking well, up like a money giant straw just slurping putin's oil money is what they have right exactly these people are fucking like alex jones hawking oh, sugar God. pills to, to 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 fucking you know scam people out of their 50 bucks uh, god god bless america it's awesome i i'm i mean look it's the most american and it's kind of endearing actually like like I, I, the more I think about this, the more kind of endearing it is because at least they're not like selling, you know, using the friendly, the U.S. men's soccer team friendly matches to launder drug money like some of the Latin American federations do, you know? Yeah, you know, the bar is not high. And so when, when the bar is as low as don't be involved with organized crime or don't be the Qatari <laughs> Federation using slave labor to build your stadiums, then just selling snake oil doesn't seem so bad. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god <laughs> yes <laughs> that's um that's basically where i am uh, i i <laughs> there's not that much more to to add to this like it's <laughs> it's genuinely it's genuinely funny it's it's all, like i said like we're, we're discussing it's also endearing because like it's almost like they're trying to be like the little kid you know, pretending to be corrupt like their dad. Well, here's the th- here's what I'll say. If Thorne, the supplement provider, wants to sponsor LFF, I will read ads. Oh, hell yeah. Oh, my God. Oh, I will read ads for the diet pill. I will take the diet pill. I will pill. take like, the, Thorne, yeah. <laughs> take the diet pill. If somehow accidentally listen to this and you want to sponsor LFF, I am here for it. Yeah, absolutely. And whatever Flora Sport 2B, uh, 20B multi-strain probiotic is i'll take that too i'll take all of your shit i will film myself doing it hell yeah i will we'll put it up on blonde order um yeah absolutely i'm not i'm not a u.s soccer's not above this and neither am i no i mean why would we be above like why like you know now we have debt come on yeah hell yeah uh all right folks that is um that's your (laughs) lipsticks football for this week uh logan is absolutely melting down so i have to go deal with him evan it's been wonderful hanging out with you i think next week i'm going to try to see if liz is going to would be willing to come on we're thinking of doing a kind of a more in-depth article about what it means to be um you know a dual national what it means to uh yeah. do that like to to have this because we, it, it's it's kind of an, an interesting thing to uh to add some context to this discussion just because it's not exactly something that gets talked about a lot, but for a lot of people like me and Liz, and and I think in this country too, uh, it's it's a subject that I uh, 
that that is worth investigating because of the the number of people that are pulled like this, right? Like the United States lost out on one like who the person who would have been the best American player of all time to Italy, uh, a guy called Giuseppe Rossi, right? Like he uh, is an American, right? Like he was you know grew up in New Jersey, but he played for the Italian national team, and yeah, that's you know and that's another you know part of being a dual national is that you have that choice, and and Rossi made that call and. So we're trying to uh, add a little bit of context to that and why someone would do uh, make this call and, and, and all the different emotions that go into it. So we'll, we'll, we'll be doing that, and that's the idea at least, to uh, bring her on and talk about that, maybe talk a little about Milan as well. So look out for that in the next couple of weeks. Uh, Sounds great. All right, buddy. Um, so until next week then. Catch you later. Right, two, three.